really got to try on that left-hand side. What happened? <laughs> oh, but I've gone up and over, and Marty had over biscuit. It was a, uh, it was, a, it wasn't enough stability there for myself. But um, no, I was busting for a bit of meat this game. It didn't seem to work out. Hello, cheers, and welcome, welcome to the Scrum of the Earth, the podcast that offers news, results, predictions, and maybe every now and then an occasional insight into the world of rugby union. I am David Lawrence. I'm an American rugby fan who follows rugby all over the globe. Uh, As most of you know by now, the teams I root for are, at the club level, the New England Free Jacks. Internationally, I root for my USA Eagles, and I root for Scotland. Down in Super Rugby, I root for the Highlanders, who came oh so close last season. That was a little painful. So the Scrum of the Earth is a weekly podcast with the occasional bonus ep thrown in, one of which you are listening to, uh, listening to right now. Thank you so much for listening. I, I just recently hit 100 listens, and uh, while that's obviously small fry, it made me smile quite a bit, that's for sure. Thank you very much. Uh, please get in touch whenever you like. I am at of Scrum, or you can use the Scrum of the Earth at gmail.com. I always love hearing from all of you. So the standard order of business for this pod is current updates, what's up with me, uh, news, what's happening around the world of rugby union, things to chew on, what has me interested or annoyed this week. Then we'll do scores and results, and then some uh, upcoming matches and predictions. Uh, I feel sure it's dumb luck, but so far, at least for the history of this pod, I've gotten things right. So take that for whatever it's worth. So current updates. Now, it's nothing to do with a rugby podcast at all, but my family and I got a chance to go camping last week, which was a very nice, lovely break. Uh, Of course, in very non-rustic fashion, I discovered that I could watch the gold medal game of the Olympic basketball between France and the U.S., and it was great. You know, I I broke up with the NBA years ago, but I still love international ball, and this was a a really cool matchup, really close. Um, Obviously, I was pleased with the end result, but uh, really fun to watch and and a a cool break from what I usually watch, I guess. Uh, So news and things to chew on both are going to be on hold for this ep because I want to get to our special guests as soon as possible. I am ecstatic to announce that two of the three creators of one of my favorite podcasts, Thistle Do Nicely, have agreed to come on to uh, give their reactions to the Lions series, what it might mean for Scottish rugby going forward, and much more. So if you haven't encountered their work yet, you can find a link to uh, to their show in the show notes for this pod. Definitely check them out. They're really great. Well, I am incredibly excited to welcome some very special guests to the show to discuss the decider between the British and Irish Lions and the Springboks. They are Chris and Rory, two of the three hosts of This Will Do Nicely, a podcast I have loved throughout their entire first season, which just recently came to an end. Uh, So This Will Do Nicely, as described by their website, is Rory Havren Angus, Chris Caber Crusher Irvine, and Johnny the Highland Flinger Naismith, who are three lifelong friends and Scotsmen in New York who get together to talk about their homeland, the weird stuff that happens there, and to remind them why they are the way they are. Uh, <laughs> I, I had to do a little bit of tweaking there to make that come out right, and uh, I had to take a couple of guesses at a couple of those. How did that go? No, you nailed it. You nailed Absolutely it. Absolutely nailed it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, well, three, uh, points, so- three points through the middle of the post, man. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So not, not Dan Bigger. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, Haverin, Haverin is... Um, made famous over here from the proclaimer song 500 miles where he says oh. i'm havering well i know i'm gonna be i'm gonna be the man who's havering to you and it, it, it's it's a famous scottish <laughs> word that just means to chat shit 
effectively. Yeah. Or uh, nonsense. That's a good point. Dave, can we, are we allowed to swear on your, are we, are we censoring? The mums hate the swearing, as you know. So we're trying to cut it down. I have kept mine totally clean. Uh, I can always change the label on it. I'm not, you know, uh, I'm not trying to just uh, just bleep out that last one, and we'll be well behaved <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. from now on. Okay, I'm sure I'm sure we could do it. I mean, we are talking about Scottish rugby, so it might well, pre- well <laughs> rugby in general, so it might be problematic, yeah. but we'll try. We'll try and be clean. <laughs> well, to to be fair, so I I took a guess at uh, Haverin, and I, I thought it had to be a verb, uh, and but I came up with maybe it's just laughing a lot or something uh so but i did look it up so uh that's a good one yeah there's (laughs) i think there's a cover uh of 500 miles that uh real big fish does i believe and they say and when i haver whatever the f that means (laughs) uh so you know you're you're not alone you know I do wonder if, uh, Chris, have you ever had any experience with cabers or is that just what you came up with for the alliterative aspect? Uh, I, I, it wasn't me that came up with it. I'm not going to lie. It was, ah. uh, it was Rory, Rory being very lyrical. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I could make a crass sex joke right here. Yeah, I've had a lot, uh, a lot of cabers <laughs> in my time, if you know what I mean. We all know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, I mean uh, a penis. I mean a penis. <laughs> oh, no, I, I was I was nowhere near that. So guys, so before we yeah. actually get to any of your reactions to the game itself, so what were your levels of excitement going into this series? Were you you know dying for it to start, just chomping at the bit? Were you thinking, oh, this will be okay, or were you um, like, oh, I'll, 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 I'll go first then. Um, so the the lions always means quite a lot to both Rory and I, um, I, I, you know, I think more so now that we've moved over here, uh, four years ago, uh, we enjoyed the New Zealand series. We had a couple of, I think we watched the second New Zealand test together in a bar about 4am in the morning. That was the one where, I don't know if you watched it then, David, but, uh, they, they won that one when Sonny Bill Williams got sent off in the first, uh, 25 minutes and they won the game. For a pretty vicious card. Yeah. Um, not a a pretty tackle. And, you know, uh, for the, the nice thing about the Lions is that unlike the Scottish national rugby team, you feel like they've always got the chance of winning. Um, <laughs> Scotland, teams, Scotland teams obviously got better uh, over the last couple of years, but the Lions is always the cream of the crop. And mm. um, South Africa always holds kind of a special place in my heart as well because the first Lions series I watched was the 1997 series when they won uh, 2-1. Um, that's the oh. famous one where Jerry Guscott scored a drop goal in the last minute to win the second test and win it for them. Wow. Um, and I, I love South Africa as a country. Uh, I, I went there a few years ago with my wife. It's the best holiday I think I've ever been on. Wow. Um, they're, they're going through some tough times at the moment. Um but I can't recommend it enough. It's just a phenomenal country. Um, and also this time around on the Scottish level of things, it's the most number of players we've had in a squad for 20 odd years, if, if not more. Um, 28, or, 28 or 32, I think I read. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, something like that. I mean, it's been pretty pitiful. Our yeah, 1989 return. was the last time they were eight. Right. Uh, well, okay. So pretty pitiful, the amount of, um, players that we've had in that squad and justifiably. So, um, I would say we've not really deserved it, but 
now that our team has got better and better um, and we knew that we had some really world-class players now. Um, so yeah, there was a definite level of excitement um, from a Scottish perspective. I, I, yeah, It's difficult. It's very difficult to say in kind of hindsight how we thought the team as a whole would do, but certainly from the Scottish perspective, we thought this is going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so that, that, that night sitting watching them play New Zealand back in, uh, that bar at four in the morning locked in that Irish pub together Chris and I had a bit of a not an argument you know we had this this like let's call it an argument because I was complaining about the lack of Scottish players in the, the team and I was like I just don't enjoy it as much like when there's no Scottish players there's not whereas Chris can get behind the Lions as a whole as a team as a country and all that type of stuff personally mm. I, I I couldn't as much as much as I still enjoy watching them as much as I enjoyed that tour in particular. Um, but uh, this year changed it entirely. Just leading up to it after the Six Nations, after being so close, like just points away, minutes away from a Grand Slam. Um, and then desperately, like we, we had, you know, what, like eight, potentially nine, ten possible players that could have been in the yep. squad that we were all naming. Um and, then, and, and I, I think we were, I think like all those marginal calls that in the past we've thought, mm -hmm. well, the Scottish guy could go, but also the Irish guy could go. And then the Irish guy goes and like it, the, we got the rub of the green pretty much with every player we thought was going to go on the tour. Mm -hmm. I, I think the only player that we thought what that maybe deserved it, that didn't get it was uh, Johnny Gray. Mm. The, oh, Richie as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he'd yeah. had a bad tournament, but he'd been overall like, and it's difficult yep. because you watch the Six Nations and then it's like, okay, everybody gets based on this one tournament. We just had the World Cup as well. I don't know. It was a weird time rugby. I mean, that's why uh, people were saying that England played badly in the Six Nations because Saracens hadn't been playing and all that sort of stuff. Um, Where? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, so then when the, this, this squad came out and we had every, like so many players in the, in the squad, it was incredible. And that's when it just went, holy jeezy peeps, this might actually be an incredible tournament. This might be something we can properly get behind. Um, and yeah, I mean, look, the, the, the test didn't come out the way that we wanted to, but it was still so much more entertaining to watch. Did you think Finn was going to make it to any, any of the 23 man squads? Mm -hmm. uh, so, I mean, certainly before he got injured, uh, and I guess for your uh, listeners that may not know, Finn Russell is is on his day probably the best fly half slash standoff in in world rugby. But he he had a slight tear of his Achilles, and the debate we we were in a WhatsApp group with a bunch of English guys basically, and one a couple of Welsh guys, and. Um, they all think that Finn Russell is um, too much of a liability uh, and can't be trusted. And to a certain extent, Rory and I think that as well. Um, yeah. I didn't select I didn't think he was going to go on tour. I, I, I thought he was going to go on tour, but I thought that he would be a bench option because he's not the type of guy that you kind of necessarily want the South African to play against South Africa to begin with. Um, mm. But it was, it became clear as it went on that bigger and Farrell were too similar and there was no plan B. Um, and, and 
I think that's partly because Finn got injured. Um, and uh, I did think maybe Marcus Smith might make the team ahead of him, but mm. the fact that he was able to recover and come on, it, it kind of showed what we were missing, really. Um, and, you know, there's a little bit of animosity about Finn Russell in Scotland still because a couple of years ago, he had that falling out with Gregor Townsend yep. and he basically took his ball and went home. And as far as we know, it I mean, was because... literally did. He, didn't he call his parents <laughs> and go home? Well, yeah. apparently it was because Gregor Townsend said, you can't have three beers and a night out. Right. And he, or, uh, we never really got the full story of it. And the ironic yeah. thing is that Gregor Townsend is the closest as a player was as close to Finn Russell as we know, like he was the standoff in the 1997 Lions tour. Mm -hmm. And because he played with that sort of swashbuckling joie de vivre that we're just not used to. Um, and so then when he left and Adam Hastings came in for the Scotland team, we thought, ah, oh, we don't need him, you know, screw him. But mm -hmm it's clear that he's just on another level compared yeah. to he's he's do you so, remember after the after the three beer thing uh the next time england played was it genji who came out uh at the for the the post game interview and intentionally came out and gave the talk holding a beer just to be like look we're allowed to have beer <laughs> no I, I i didn't i didn't remember that. that at the time to be it honest but good. um yeah, I mean that's not surprising. Ellis Genji does that sort of crap all the time. But he's uh, yeah. But but Finn's so fascinating. I I've been horribly critical of him for a long, long time. And like you know, Chris and I talk about it a lot. And I just I just think he's unreliable. I think you know he'll do a beautiful crossfield kick and then immediately pass an interception. Uh, and you watch him when he's playing for Racing and he's incredible and he he commands the games and all this type of thing and I, I never understood why he couldn't be consistently incredible for Scotland Do you and think that's you see, changed? Does this performance give you any, you know, well, change your mind? I, I, um, well, Rory can answer this first but I have a theory on it as yeah. well So he, he played for the Lions he came on to that game and he was just changed the, the, the entire tournament turned yeah. everybody around all you hear in the punditry on Twitter and everything else is just people saying like Finn Russell just changed his tournament for me. I'm so glad that he came on. It was so much fun to watch him. He, you know, revived my love for rugby and for the Lions and everything else. And he did like it was a whole different type of game. And I think his, you know, having the extra beer on a night out is also why he's so good at doing what he just did is because I think um, Gatland was playing, maybe Townsend was saying it as well. Who knows? Because he was technically attacking coach. But maybe Gatland was saying, like, this is my tactics. This is how we're going to beat South Africa. And Finn Russell went, actually, this is what I'm going to do. And it was much, much better. <laughs> my concern is that he's incredible for Racing. He just proved he was incredible for the Lions. It's not him that's the problem in Scotland. It's all the players around him. And, mm. and I'm not, yeah. when I say all the players, I just mean like maybe a handful of players because Scotland have got incredibly much, much better over the past few years. But my concern is that he just doesn't have other people that understand his way of playing. Yeah, my, my theory of Finn is that his brain works at a higher level than <laughs> um, a lot of the Scottish players have. And, and I would say also the Lions players as well. I mean, 
Yeah. I would say one of the most refreshing things about this tournament is that Ali Price has kind of established himself as a world-class player now. Yeah. And uh, the jury really- is, he was, he was fantastic. He he's come out of this uh, whole tour, just his reputation is sky high. And for a long time, uh, Rory and I thought the price wasn't really that great. Uh, we all, we, we are, do are, have are, independent uh, thoughts. I just want to make this clear that Chris and I <laughs> do but, times of it. You don't just yeah. form a consensus before you say anything. Well, I mean, the, the Rory and I and our group of friends have like this uh, real soft spot and love for Greg Laidlaw. Uh, and even though if you compare the physicality and ability of Price and Laidlaw, Price is a much better athlete but we just mm. always felt that Laidlaw controlled the game better. But yeah. mm. I got to say, Price was fantastic. And if Price can get to the level that Finn Russell is at, which, you know, he clearly just sees the game in a different way mm-hmm. to everybody else. Uh, the only other player in the Scotland team I would put in the same bracket is Finn is Hogg. And, and Hogg admittedly didn't have a very good Lions tour. Mm. He was just... Well, he's another one. Has, has your impression of him changed because of this series? I, I feel like no, he, was, it, he, was, he, was, he was fine. He just didn't have a chance to really do Hoggy things. You, you know, the thing about Hogg is he's been Scotland's best player, I think, for, what, the last decade, more or less. And, yeah, he, he was... He didn't, he's never been known as the best under the high ball, and he was exploited a bit for that, but so was everybody else around him. And then yeah. Liam Williams came in on the third test and su- the supposed bomb diffuser, as his nickname is, Liam Williams had a shocker in the third test. Yeah. He yeah. botched a couple. He he really screwed up a, a clear cry- try-scoring opportunity with Josh Adams. And he also got skinned for the Chelsea Colby try. So, yeah. you know, It's funny, Hoggy, uh, you, uh, you exposed one of my surprise questions, which was going to be if it was Hoggy instead of Liam Williams and with that two-on-one, is that a try? I, I did know. say in our message that Hoggy would have made the, the tackle. Um, I do think he's slightly better in defense when it comes to pure, like, com- completed tackles. Um, but, I mean, who knows? That's uh, You, you can't gotta, really you you, can't you make those predictions. you got to give Colby all the credit. Um, yeah. Listening to the uh, rugby podcast earlier today, South Africa basically had one chance in that game, and they took it. Uh, yeah. And it, it was a brilliant try. And it wasn't just Liam Williams. There was three or four guys yeah. that missed tackles. Um, you know, I you just, just got to take your hat that to them. South Africa completed 55 passes total for that entire game. That seems really? incredibly low. Yeah, 55 I can believe that. passes. I mean, look, we were the better team on yeah. on the day, but... Territory, they just, possession. They play in a way... There was a stat I saw that I think the ball was in play for 26 minutes or something That's like that. Yep. Uh, in the third test, the third test, and that right. was yeah. with us thinking. I'd love to see what the stats are for the second test because the second test was one of the worst games of rugby I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, um, but it was hugely you know, entertaining, but it was a terrible game of rugby. Yeah. We we tense, just tense but ugly. Yeah, we just fell into their trap really, and that's why they're they're world champions, and um, you know you got to they they beat us. <laughs> that's as simple as it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, what were your expectations before the third test? Were you thinking, okay, we got this now? I feel like nobody felt very strongly. Um, did you did you have a pick? Did you feel confident? I I was telling people in the pub the Lions were easily going to win. Huh? I they on paper they've got the better players in my head, 
but then the better individual players don't necessarily make the best team. And South Africa know how to win rugby games right now. Um, and the Lions have a like less time to put things together. There was a lot of weird pairings that I didn't really think made a lot of sense. The third test, all we were talking about leading up to it is as much as we were happy that Russell um, was there, he was on the bench, the concern was that he was going to come on with Murray. Uh, no, sorry, not... Um, yeah, Murray. Yeah, Murray, Murray. And Murray was just going to not work with him. We needed Russell to mm. be on at the same time as Price. And then that's when they were going to be, uh, you know, electrifying. And mm. I think the point was proven um, on Saturday. But yeah, I was confident going into the, the beginning of the tournament that we were going to my, win. My, my thoughts were that it was almost kind of a shame that Russell came on so early because I, I think I thought that if it was tight with 20 minutes to go and Russell came on as the X factor, then we would have a chance. But I think because he came on so early, the, the spring box were obviously pretty rattled by him, certainly in the first half. I mean, they were terrible in the first half, Yeah. but then I think they kind of adjusted and he I got so. a bit quiet. He got quieter in the second half. And then Ali price, again, you know, he had a good game, but there was the five minutes before he got hauled off. Like he suddenly went to crap and he knocked on, I think a kick. Oh, yeah. uh, and, and it, and it was a very quick hook. Like I noticed that the substitutes were very quick to go. It's in the front row of both teams, but then Ali price, like I sent a text message being like price needs to come off. And he came off like 20 seconds. I, after. I do think that was unfair. I think that was just terrible timing. I have a feeling. That no, was no, I, 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 you look, can't, you don't like have a knock on and then it's like, oh, somebody's got a knock on. No, no, no. He'd done a he he'd done a couple things at that yeah. point. He'd started to kind of lose it a bit. But I think if say we'd been three points down with 20 minutes to go and and Russell came on, yeah, I I would have fancied our chances. And that's not taking it away from him because I thought he was the best player in the pitch. I thought he was mm. phenomenal. And it was just so good. Like, again, just to go back to this WhatsApp group that we're in with English guys and Welsh guys, and they were slagging Russell off the whole time. They're like, oh, I want to see Farrell. Why isn't Farrell on the team? It's like, because Farrell doesn't offer what Russell does. Um, Farrell's been terrible for about a year for club and country. He was terrible for England. And... Yeah, he's, they don't he's get it. I, it's like I've, he, I've instinctually disliked him since I sort of first counted him. It's obvious that he's really good, but the last year, maybe not so much. And uh, I, I admit, a little, little Schadenfreude for me. <laughs> hey, there's, there's a theory with Farrell that he, he's always been, he's always prided himself in his defense, and he got a, a red card, I think, for a yeah. high tackle, and he's had to change his technique, and that's what? kind of drained his confidence. Oh, Farrell, a, a red card <laughs> yeah. for a high tackle? Yeah, no. Yeah. Come on. I, I agree. About, I think uh, he's been a bit of an all-rounder. Like he was a decent kicker. He was uh, obviously decent in attack. He's very good in defense up until like, you know, the various infringements that, you know, he would give away penalties all the time. He was doing it all the time. But um, because he was an all-rounder, everybody just kind of assumed he was amazing at everything. And then the moment you mm. look at the numbers, I remember, I don't know, I was in a, pub with i think you chris and a few other people and i was like no no look at the stats he's maybe seventh in the world at, at conversions like th like mm. his numbers are decent but not the best whereas everybody's like he's the best in the world he's the best kicker in the world yeah. obviously hmm. 
and I think it's uh, he's just always got this inflated. Uh, it's because he's an inflated perception of him. It's because Eddie, English, Eddie Jones that might he's think English. he's the best. It's it weird. It's funny too because uh, I have a, a friend who is in the U.S. Hall of Fame. She actually played in the first two Women's World Cups and scored tries in them. And yes, your secret just, friend. I heard you talking about her in one of your episodes. It, yes, indeed. Uh, she's <laughs> she's one of the only people who's given me feedback, and she said, "It's good. I like that it's short." So. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. That's the problem when you've got the two of us on. All we're gonna do is talk, especially when we're talking about rugby. So this is this is gonna be a seven-hour episode. Yeah, this well, is either going to make or break you with her, I guess. <laughs> well, I was surprised to learn, uh, even as a U.S. player, that the the English players just engender this this negative feeling. And I was asking her who she was rooting for in this series, and she said, "What are you talking about? The Springboks." And I said, "Oh, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah. I wasn't sure who to, who to go for." And she said, "There are crumpets on that team." <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, "Okay, so that that rules them out. Okay, good to know." Yeah, that is very fair enough. <laughs> So uh, a couple more questions I've got here too. Um, so this is actually my first experience with the Lions tour. And so I pretty mm -hmm. much enjoyed it from, from start to finish. Uh, there were, there was, seems like there was a lot of, oh, everyone's so negative about it, but I, somehow I just ducked right under that and just kept going. Mm -hmm. But the phrase I keep hearing everywhere, outdated concept. Everyone say, oh, the Lions is an outdated concept. It sounds like you guys are all in and, and do not think that. Yeah. It, it's it was, it. Why are people... Bending about it, that uh, phrase everywhere. It, it, it come it comes around every four years that question. Um, Seems it because because it is is a throwback. This year has been, um, it's been a disappointing tour, and that's because of COVID. That's the only reason. Um, you know, normally you would send uh, this army of uh, British fans in in the red jerseys. Mm. They would go and do community outreach. The players would go into the townships and you know, do all that, do rugby clinics, that all stuff. Um, the economy is obviously taking a massive hit there. Normally they would go and just drink the drink Cape Town dry. Um, and, you know, the, the tour, usually they, they can go and do whatever they want, but they've all been holed up in, uh, you know, hotels, not being able to do anything. And so that is taking a hit. But that means I think that, it's never going to go away because they, as far as the English, Welsh, Irish and Scottish players see it, they see the Lions as the absolute epitome. They see it as bigger than the World Cup. Winning, mm. a, Lions, winning a Lions test series is so rare. I think in Rory in my lifetime of what, well, certainly of us watching it, I, we, we've won a South African series, won an Australian series. So mm -hmm. we've won two series. Rory wow. and I are both 35 and I think we've won... Uh, uh, since we started watching rugby and since we were about 10 so in like 25 to 26 years we've won two series mm -hmm. um it's incredibly difficult to do mm -hmm. uh it and you know they're they're going to want to go back to south africa in 12 years time when there's fans and prove a point yeah australia australia is seen as kind of the easiest of the three right now but it always ends up kind of weirdly cyclical that whoever they end up playing are the World Cup champions. It's bizarre. Yeah. Like huh. South Africa were crap two years ago and then they won the World Cup and now all of a sudden they're seen as the team to beat. Australia will get their act together. It's and then of course mm. New Zealand is the one after that. Um, it's it's not gonna go away. It's obviously it's a massive cash cow as well. So mm. 
yeah, it's it's not. It's just that this As series. American, it's, it's so completely different than anything. There's just no American sports equivalent. I can't even imagine how you could manufacture one. So outdated seems the opposite to me. I'm, I'm like, hey, this is brilliant. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. I, I think that's just all the the kind of politics stuff and people trying to, you know, it's almost like clickbait now. People are talking about that. Like the, the people that actually follow it, that play in it, that are hard, like properly involved in it, I do think truly still love it and truly support it and don't think it's outdated at all. There's still some nonsense. Like everybody becomes, as much as you you support the team on the day, all the build-up and all the moment the game is finished, all it is is about your own country, your own players, uh, and you know whichever of your players played the best and blaming the I, I, on the the <laughs> our WhatsApp group. The moment England game lost, I was like, "Well, Curry lost that for us," and it's obviously there's no there's no way it was going to be a <laughs> Scottish player that lost it for us. It was always going to be an English player. <laughs> I still stand uh, by it though. Yeah. <laughs> so I got one last pretty obvious one for you. Um, it's a sort of a two-parter. So who is your player of the series and who is your Scottish player of the series? They, they might be the same, but not necessarily. Oh, uh, good question. Rory, I mean, you, any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, the wisdom, everybody's saying player of the tournament is, um, oh, we've got 10 minutes, by the way. Uh, I'm not going to upgrade, but um, everybody's saying <laughs> that the wisdom is Itoje. He he's a player of the tournament, and I I find it really hard to argue with that. I think Henshaw is one of the other names I've seen bandied around. Um, oh, I had not I, heard that. Yeah, I can kind of see that Itoje was just there constantly. There was a lot of talk about him being captain before it started. Um, I've not seen him be as good as he was in this tournament, and I did. I was hugely impressed by him, and I can't think of anybody else who really stepped up. the the I, I the only person I would say that could, and this might sound silly, but I think the only person that could really compete would be Ali Price. So he would hmm. be definitely my Scottish Player of the Tournament because hmm. I just was so impressed with him. I. Uh, Connor Murray became my villain of the tour just because yeah, there's no, there no need on for him hand, to be. On one hand, he must feel so jerked around. Your captain, by the way, you're not. By the way, you're not starting. It was bizarre. I'm sure he's like yeah. throwing his hands up in the air. At the same time, I just thought he was the weaker choice. Yeah, I, I think Connor Murray didn't have a very good Six Nations, which made him a bit of a strange choice. But I'd yeah. agree with Rory there. I think the best Scottish player was Ali Price. I'd, I'd even say that, that he was potentially the best player of the tour. Yeah. Uh, the only probably. other name I would probably throw in there would maybe be Courtney Laws. I thought he was terrific, um, especially because I think the pre-test selection consensus choice to play six was Tag Burn. Mm. Um yeah, who'd had a terrific Six Nations, and everyone was like, "Well, why is Laws in there?" And Laws was fantastic. The irony being, of course, that he then gave up the decisive penalty uh, that lost us mm. the game. Um, and there was I, the I, did you watch Did you watch Squidge's breakdown of the the second test where Dan Bigger was literally yeah, yeah. screaming at that him? That was a video I sent. Just... Irv, I don't know if you watched it. Oh, was it? I, I, it was too long. I, I couldn't yeah, be bothered it, watching. It is condemning. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> The... Yeah, and um, I think uh, Itoji was very good. Um, 
I don't know, man. It was. It, I don't think too many people put their hand up. It's certainly in the the warm up games. You know, Duhan and Josh Adams were great, but then yeah. it's all about the tests, really. And none of the backs really did it. The window is so teeny. You've got you know whatever the, it is, like a forty man squad. Then you've got to make the twenty three, and then you actually have to get on there. And then there's only three tests, and it's every four years. Unbelievable the pressure they must feel and the the pride they must go along with it too. Yeah, you saw it on yeah. on Alan Wynn Jones' face at, after the game. I loved his bit about, yeah, guess what? I'm going to be pretty emotional about this. I thought that was pretty yeah. great. And the margins are so small between all the players. You know, there's a 50-50 between almost every position. And one of the, I, I, I don't think we could come in here and not talk about Hamish Watson for a couple of minutes because uh, he's I, just... I did skip that. Was he too small for this series, as Stephen Jones oh, said? That's no, absolutely. That's, that's a trigger. Nonsense. That's a trigger argument for us, David. All right. You, Sorry. the, 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 the numbers that I got into the, the email that I sent Chris just being like, I know I need to let this go, but I just want to give you the stats, the BMI of every player in the, the entire world and why it makes sense. When um, you look at bone density. Yes. The, the, the thing about, the thing about Hamish is that he's look, he was the player of the tournament for the six nations. He was. Uh, and he he admittedly did not have a good first test and he gave away that penalty he probably should have been yellow carded for it and then he, and then he just didn't get a sniff and we both thought that tom curry was horrific on the third test and gave away a hell of a lot of penalties and i don't really see why people like tom curry to be honest mm. and that i'll take that to my grave uh you know that will be the hill that i die on i think hamish watson <laughs> should have at least been on the bench for yeah. the second and third test. And, you know, I I actually do think this sets us up quite nicely for the Six Nations because I think quite a few of the Scottish players are going to have a bit of a chip in their shoulder mm. um, to prove people that, you know, they were overlooked a bit. Even though you know, we had eight people in the squad, I think, you know, some of us got hard done by there. You know what's going to be great is when we beat South Africa in the autumn test. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what's going to happen. It's going to be incredible. And Duhan, Duhan scoring lots of tries for a change too. Yes. That would be- yeah. Well, he just needs the ball. Connor, Connor uh, yeah. bigger wouldn't pass the ball. So then, how's Duhan going to be able to run? Yeah. I can't wait to see how long the uh, the camera stays on his face during the South African national anthem this time. <laughs> yeah, that was very outrageous. Poor <laughs> guy. I mean, that must be a tough tournament for him. Like, I mean, look, if you'd also told us that Duhan was going to be one of the two Scottish players to play in all three tests uh, 12 months ago, him and Ali Price, Rory and I would have told you that you're an idiot. So, yeah, I w- I you know, it, it, sh- it shows what we know, really. So, uh, up for, you know, in the last year or so, I've noticed the, the phrasing and I, I see a lot. It's like South African-born Scottish player, Duhan Vandermerver, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. They always mention South African Scottish player. How does that play as a Scottish fan? Are you guys like shut up about that? You know, he's 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 a Scottish yeah. player. That's that's all there is to it. A Scottish player. We don't really player. care. Just give us your best players. <laughs> but it, it's it's the same. Like if you look at, I think isn't uh, Vinopola like? Didn't he play for Wales? And he's like Samoan born or something. Yeah. Y- you know, this is it's just nonsense. It's just he has a very South African name. And he just, I think it was just another way of kind of getting the knife in. Maybe we have a persecution complex, but 
I think a lot of people like to kind of take digs at Scotland. Scot- and Scotland has a sometimes. Scotland has a long history of uh, scouring the globe for talent and other. Na- I mean, come on, if you look at the All Blacks, half of their team comes from Samoa and Tonga. So for sure, you know it, it is. It's done we just all over the world. We play we play the rules as they're done and. Look, if South Africa doesn't want Duhan, we're more than happy to have him because he's exactly. a try-scoring machine. And, you know, I hope he scores tries for a long time for us. Yeah. Uh, uh, last thing of all, uh, did you, either of you care about the the Rassi stuff, the Rassi gate, you know, any of the, the, the Rassi nonsense? I really liked your I, reference. I, I'm ready to let it go. I, I really yeah. liked your reference to him being the Belichick of rugby. Uh, I think that's a good, a good comparison. He's like, technically, there's no rule against it yet. Yes. I mean, the, the rant, the, the video rant was hilarious, but the going on with the water um, was like, listen, man, just say you're the head coach and stop, <laughs> stop dicking around here. Okay. We all know what you're doing. You know, just don't be, a, don't be an asshole about it. You know, rugby is a game of honor mostly, and there's <laughs> no place for this kind of, uh, Tom Fullery, I suppose. Uh, And look, I I hate the way South Africa play rugby. I think it's really cynical. I think it's boring. I would much rather watch the Japanese team play. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. You know, for example, they're just much more entertaining. That's rugby for me. And um, ultimately, I guess I'll look back on this tour as watching South Africa play really cynical, boring rugby, but it's won them a series. Yep. Yeah. But and that's the thing, it's like boring on the pitch, but fascinating off the pitch. And that's just really, really I, I feel like if, if I was on the Springboks, I'd be thinking, this guy will do anything for us. Uh, I feel like that's oh, yeah. his, his, his best power is the way his players just know that he will do absolutely anything. I heard somebody say, well, Warren Gatley could do that, but I don't know if he's fit enough to actually be the water guy. So. <laughs> <laughs> he likes his little booth. Watching yeah. people from above. Yeah. Uh, uh, we're about to get kicked off, by the way. We've got um, a minute left. Okay. Well, then I'll, I'll hit my ending here. Thank you guys so much. It really has been great. So, uh, to all of you listening out there, please be sure to check out This Will Do Nicely wherever you get your podcasts. They are in a brief hiatus right now. So, you have some uh, a perfect amount of time to catch up with all the great content they've put out this whole year. Uh, there's even a, a, an episode dedicated to rugby. I highly recommend it. Guys, thank you so much. It's been awesome. Talk oh, thank you. you. Oh, no, thank, thank you. you. This much. was awesome. Thanks for having us on. Uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, enjoy. Talk to you soon, guys. All right. Cheers, David. Thank you. Well, that about does it. <laughs> I have to say, it was a real joy to be able to catch up with fellow rugby fans and fellow potters whose work I very much enjoy. It was just a huge, unexpected treat to be able to connect with them. So, Rory and Chris, thanks so much again for taking the time to do this. Again, the name of the podcast is Thistle Do Nicely. You can find the link in my show notes. And guys, if you ever need someone to come on your pod to discuss weird Americanisms, I'm your dude. So, that brings us to the end. Again, please be sure to follow me on Twitter at of Scrum. You can always email me at thescrumoftheearth at gmail.com. If you'd like to help me spread the pod to other fans, you can help by sharing and more importantly, leaving positive reviews wherever you get your podcasts. If you leave me a five-star review and I'm able to locate it, I will be more than happy to read it out no matter what it says within family rating parameters. So thanks to you. Thanks to my guests. Cheers. Talk soon. Thanks again. Be well. Be well.